Mentoring Men for Ministry on this episode of ReChurch. Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Thank you for joining us on this episode of ReChurch. I actually have this podcast on the road. Uh, Jeremy Sweat, welcome to be with us. Thank you. A lot of our hearers may know Jeremy, may know you, and now you're living where? We are in West Hartford, Connecticut. So I appreciate uh, Jeremy taking the time to sit down and talk through this. I also want to thank Sarah Hartwig back in the office as she puts all this together. So thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, the topic we want to talk through is really mentoring men within your ministry to take your ministry. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a biblical model. All right. So give our listeners your history. You planted a church where? In the northern suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. In what year? How long were you there? Yeah, that was in March of 2002 was our first service. And so it's, you know, very shortly after post 9-11 environment and lots going on in the world, obviously. Um, But the Lord made it very apparent at that time. That was what he wanted us to do. And then we were ultimately there for 13 and a half years. All right. And we, your wife, your children, fill in our listeners on your family makeup as well. Yes. At that time... um, course uh, my wife and I we have two sons who both are now grown but at that time they were little little guys I think Taylor was uh, preschool and Robert was first or second grade and so uh, it was an exciting period of our lives but just all of that combined the Lord made it just very obvious so it it was a good time in life all right, so you planted the church, the name of the church? It was Community Baptist Church, yes. All right, so in the suburbs of Atlanta, very growing area, very vibrant area. And from there, your church, how long did it take to become self-supporting? The Lord blessed. Um, we actually were associated with GFA through the church planning program. And very thankful for that. We were self-supporting inside of two years. Wow which again, I think was a unique thing for metropolitan Atlanta and in that environment. Now, let me stop you one more time. Sure. For those that don't know you, you grew up somewhat in the area. Yes, in the southeast from ninth grade uh, all the way through and until dad, three years ago. So you grew up in a church. Yes, my and dad's a church planter. There we go. So your dad planted yeah. the church, so you grew up in a church plant. I mean, in, to a degree. To a degree, certainly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I obviously grew up in a pastor's home you know, vibrant ministries outside of Chicago in my early years and then in Florida in my high school years. And then when I was in college, dad planted the church in Georgia. And my wife and I, Renee and I, ended up there for the first year of our married life there working in the church um, just as lay people. And then it was through that the Lord called me into full-time ministry ultimately in uh, just shortly after graduation in 1992. So I know you and a y'all are a team. Uh, oh, yes. If there's ever a team in ministry, you and Renee are that team. Yes. So as you plant this church, it becomes self-supporting, and you're going to be there for 17 years. And somewhere along the way, you got a burden to mentor the men within your church to do ministry. Tell us a little bit. Uh, I know you've explained to me your biblical model. Can you just mm-hmm. take a couple of minutes and explain that to those listening? Sure. Um, obviously, having a dad in ministry, and that was his heartbeat, 
he modeled it for me and obviously I, I believe had a biblical background for it. You know, the Second Timothy 2-2 passage, um, four generations represented there as Paul talks to Timothy and then the next two subsequent generations. And I think that the model we see from Jesus with his disciples, um, obviously the, the 12, and he invested heavily in three, and then right up through Paul and his teams of ministry, that's the model. And so it was certainly a burden of my heart from day one of planting Community Baptist that I developed them in. Even before our first service, uh, the Lord had assembled a few families and we developed, uh, we didn't have deacons yet, obviously, but we developed what we called the men's council. And I would meet with them once a month. Right, so um, how many men at this point were part of the men's council? Ultimately, there were probably seven or eight men that were part of that council. Um, and then once the church actually formally organized and elected its first deacons, they selected two out of that group to serve as the first deacons uh, of the church. But then out of that grew regular monthly men's Bible studies in the church ministry. For seven years, I led a businessman's Bible study in the greater Atlanta area. And so it, it's just has been my heartbeat of ministry is, is developing men and seeing where then God takes them in their personal lives. Can I back up one step? So which came first? The, the burden through the biblical model or recognizing you got men in the church that need to be trained or both? Was it your burden and then God sent them in or you saw the men and God gave you the burden? These men or some of these faithful men, 2 Timothy 2, 2 is talking about. Sure. So what was the sequence or was it kind of simultaneous or explain that a little bit in case a man's got a burden, but no people or then a pastor's got a men, but no burden. So sure. explain that. Yeah, no, I think for me, it was really from day one in ministry for me. Um, so you had the burden before anything. Oh, yeah. You saw this as the biblical model. Yes. I did this you, with my you, youth group when okay. I was So you prepared, you prayed, you saw, you knew this was the path, this was the road that you wanted your church to go on to be mentoring men for ministry. Is right. that okay? Yes. So then you do this, you start it, you got the burden, then God brings the men. Sure. All right, so that's yeah. kind of where I was going. As we as pastors, we have the biblical model. We understand that. We start praying through it. I'm convinced that God sends men when you're prepared to, to mentor them. Would you agree with that? Or Yeah, I think that's a, certainly a fair statement. And I think, again, it's, it's, it's not for us to say, well, I'm only going to prepare men that you know, may have a heart for ministry or may be biblically qualified for ministry. The fact is, if we're ministering in local church, we're not likely going to have a church full of just women. <laughs> and so any man that is there right. ought to be mentored and discipled by the pastor. And then obviously how God directs in his life is beyond that. All right. Let me go back even one more step. All right. So I'm trying to lay the very basics. Okay. Sure. Cause a lot of this, because you've done it, you take for granted. All right. Sure. So you got these men. How did you approach them about mentoring them? Did they come to you? Did you go to them and say, this is what we're going to do? This is the purpose of what we're going to do. So how did you just announce it? Did you go to them one-on-one? How did you put this very first meeting in this first men's council, which then led to others? How did you put that together? Yeah, that, you're, you're right. We do kind of take it for granted when we've lived it. I would like to say it was a lot more intentional and organized than it probably was originally. But as a new church, as a church plant, 
the men's council, I just made a general announcement in a Bible study kind of a format. If you would be interested in participating in this, you are welcome to attend these meetings as men who are regularly attending the church. So just announcement the church. Yep. Open and, to all. And then from there, as time goes on fairly quickly, God began certainly to identify in my heart. And then through circumstances, men who obviously had a desire for something more, God was working in them. And then um, the Spirit leads in that, and that's been my experience. Yeah. So wouldn't you agree that as you're moving forward down this path, then that next step, God makes it apparent to the men that are those Second Timothy 2 two. Very much so. And then from these men, whether I think you had two that were elected deacons, but you had other men, it begins to be obvious of who those faithful men are that you should invest in. So as you're going down, it's not obvious in the beginning, right? Right. But as you move down and you start the mentoring, you start the teaching, it's pretty obvious who are these men that God would have me invest time in. Very much so. Very much so. And there's, you know, a plethora of ways that happens, obviously. just Can you just give us one? Yeah, well, you know, through personality, sometimes you just click with certain guys. But then, um, you know, just in, in conversation, I course have appreciated for so many years the ministry of many men but Dr. Les Olala and he used to say you know it's life touching life kind of a, the expression he would use and it is that it's just spending time with the men and then through that God makes it pretty apparent and you just you know are there to to help develop them as the spirit's leading them and you together. Amen. So now we're down the path you're mentoring the men you're meeting with them so as these men develop were, were there any particular things along this way that really uh, stand out in your mind? I mean, one thing I want you to go into would be, I think you and Renee and these other men and their wives, or maybe mm -hmm. it's just you and the men, would go away for a ministry planning weekend. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that really struck me, you know, in my heart. Sure. So explain what you did with that. Okay. Uh, because that's investing yeah. time, energy, money, uh, time away from the church. You're investing in mentoring. Sure. So tell us a little bit what would take place on one of these weekends and, and then maybe if anything came out of that or other things you did. Sure. You know, so you have men's council. God materializes, as it were, evidences men who serve as deacons. And then what you're referring to is then even a little farther down the road where two men in particular, um, it became very apparent that God was leading them and had gifted them ultimately, potentially, for ministry for vocational but this, ministry but at this time they're working secular jobs yes right? okay yeah yeah they're just part of the church they're serving faithfully in the church teaching sunday school things like that but through bible studies together and different things it just it became very apparent what Wait, god was doing I'll slow you down one more time because i know you take this for granted but you said through bible studies and other things that's time yes so you're spending much. time with these men in the word but time's crucial Yes. Right? Is you're investing life on life. Right. You're investing these men. All right. I hate to interrupt you, but I just I wanted just to touch on that. Yeah. Uh, so no, we don't so we just don't fly right by it. No, you're exactly right. It it is so much about time. It's the coffee, it's the lunch, it's the you know, times where you're meeting for very deliberate Bible study, but it's all of that together, no doubt about and it. And at the same time, you got a lot of parallel tracks going. You got your family. Sure. And you got two boys. Sure. And I know you spent time with them. Yep. Yeah, I know the relationship you have with Renee, mm -hmm. and you got the church, yeah. but you're looking beyond that. You're looking to men that actually you're multiplying your life in. 
Right. Okay, so you're spending weekends with them. What else were you doing along the way? And then I want to transition to how, because where we're going with this is one of these men end up transitioning into your position. Yes, yes, he did. And I appreciate mentioning my wife because obviously I can't serve. I don't feel like I can serve without her. Um, she's a wonderful helpmate. But God definitely brought ultimately these other two men and their wives and just really knit all of our hearts together through a process of time. And so, you know, as maybe some are listening to this going, wait a minute, there's not that many hours in a day. I was brought up, my dad taught me, involve your kids in ministry. Ministry is not dad's job. Ministry is something we do together as a family. So that's what we did. Right. You know, I'm very grateful. My son is an associate pastor of a church in Wisconsin now. So I praise the Lord for, for that. And, and my other son is, uh, you know, he serves the Lord and is active in church. Uh, they didn't resent it, mm -hmm. uh, thankfully. And because they were included. Yeah, not because exactly. They were, there you go. Exactly. And I know you've experienced that too. So it was all part of it. And so, yeah, God brought us together, these uh, ultimately three couples um, as a team they were really, I, I always referred to them as staff, though they were not employed by the church, but they really, they had that level of commitment. We spent that level of time. We had monthly staff meetings because, uh, again, they were, quote, unquote, bivocational, though not employed by the church. So, you know, once a month, we would be at one of the three houses. We would rotate it. The wives, I included wives in staff meeting. I still include wives in staff meeting because our wives bring such a wonderful perspective to, you know, as we're planning ministry and as we're doing ministry. And so I still do that to this day. I include our wives in staff meetings. That's very wise. All right, yeah. so this is what's developing. So we got about five minutes left. And what I want you to do is to explain where you were then and what's happened, that a transition took place and you left the church. In a good, in a good way. In I a good way. mean that in a negative way. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it was. It wasn't a good way. As the community progressed, as the Lord blessed, um, I had opportunities and inquiries about possibly going to pastor another church, but never really ultimately got clearance from the Holy Spirit on that. But in the summer of 2015, I got an interesting phone call, and it became apparent very, very quickly that the Lord might be leading. I was not looking to go anywhere but uh, the Lord brought the opportunity to us. And one of the greatest things that made it very plain to me and to us that it was okay to leave the church we planted was that over the years, God had brought Bruce and his wife and matured Bruce them. is one of the men you've been mentoring. Yes. Okay. And we had been working with them. They had been serving alongside of us um, as staff members for a number of years. And it became lay apparent, lay staff, okay. yep. And it became apparent that he was gifted for it. One of the things I did the last two summers I was there, I gave Michael, who was the other one, and Bruce, I gave them each a month to preach. Mm. The month of June, the month of August. Sunday morning, Sunday Sunday night, morning. Sunday, morning. Sunday mornings. Um, it was part of their preparation. I said, you know, you can develop a series. And, and I told them, I said, if... You know, if God calls you to ministry, don't call me Friday night and say, Pastor, I haven't had time because that's just real life. <laughs> exactly. And Bruce told me, he told me after the fact, he said, when you did that, it confirmed in my heart that that's what God wanted me to do. Mm. And 
I've had men look at me and go, you gave up two months to these lay staff members to preach? I said, well, yeah, because that's the next generation. Can we call that investment in not giving up, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an expense, it's an investment. So would you say from the time you started mentoring Bruce and Michael until they each took four Sunday mornings mm -hmm. at your church, how many years was that? Roughly. I mean, uh, five. Five years. Yeah. Probably. But you had a path, you saw where it was going, and as God continued, as you saw them respond to your mentorship, to the Word of God, you right. saw their families, you said, hey, these men are worth investing yeah. in. All right, so now continue to tell our audience, so what happened? So Bruce and Michael preach, this church has called you, you feel more freedom. Why was part of the freedom there? I had seen church planters come and go through Atlanta and other places around the country, but specifically Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And many of those churches are no longer in existence that were planted after we planted community. And so obviously I didn't want to see that happen. I wanted a church and I believe God wanted a church in Canton. And it was the fact that Bruce was ready. I, I felt that he was. I did not appoint him. I did not tell the church he's going to be your pastor. But I had the confidence that if the church so chose, he was ready. The church knew Bruce. Yes. They knew Bruce Weiss. Yes. They knew Bruce's family. Yes. They knew Bruce understand the philosophy of ministry because I know you, it was not a personality driven ministry, it was a word driven ministry. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. And they knew that with Bruce. Mm -hmm. So really they weren't going, I mean, obviously, you know, I left a church we replanted. I mean, there is the ripping of your heart yeah. out of your heart <laughs> when you left. I know that. Yep. Renee's heart, all that. But God allowed you really to almost multiply yourself. Is that a fair way to say it? Because you left community in, in good hands. Yes. Someone you had mentored. And both those men are serving there still to this day as a team. And Bruce is the lead pastor, but Michael and his family are still serving the Lord there. And, and the ministry has progressed and, and continues on in a, in a strong way for which we're so grateful. Jeremy, as, as you look back, would you have done anything different? I mean, because you invested time, sweat, prayer, <laughs> effort in two men. Would you say it's well worth the effort? No doubt about it. Yes, it's unbelievable amounts of effort and, yes, investment financially, emotionally, spiritually, but it and I, I'm sure they would say, yeah, we could have tweaked this and done this better, but right. none of us are perfect. But the overall philosophy of it and I think um, how God used it, no, I wouldn't have done anything right. different. On this, would you say that, because um, a lot of times somebody from within, it can be bumpy sure. if they take the church. But you did this over a long season of time. Yes. You did this not just like in six months in order for you to go. This was, regardless if you stay or went, this was your philosophy of ministry. Correct. Would that be fair to Yes. And the church saw that. Yes. And don't you think that brings a comfort to the whole church to know this is, this is what we do? I think it really did. In retrospect, I don't know that I realized it at the time, but in retrospect, I believe it really did. 
and you know obviously the deacons that ultimately served and and all of that the lord blessed there are a number of men that came out of community that are now serving the lord in full-time ministry mm. it just happens to be we're talking about those two right. that are still there and serving but there are others who came through that same ministry in those years and are now serving in other places all right we got last comment can you give your email address? Would you Would you do that? Sure. It's, it's super simple. It's just Pastor Sweat. Spell that. And that's Pastor, of course, S-W-E-A-T-T. Just like when you're hot, but with two T's at the end. Okay. Pastor Sweat at gmail.com. All right. So someone's listening to this and they're interested. Hey, I need to talk to Jaron about the way he mentored these men. You'd be open to that, right? Oh, of course. Of and course. is there anything else that I may have left out of questioning here that you would like to say about mentoring, transitioning to someone from within, or any anything else that just comes to your mind on that? Just the fact that I guess, it, yes, it's my burden. Yes, it's my philosophy. It was handed down to me from my father. So, you know, I've, I tried to hand it to my son. So there's three generations. He'll hand it ultimately to a fourth and so on. But I believe strongly it's what we have to do. It's what God has called us to do as pastors. And if the church is to go forward, it's his pattern, it's his model, and we just stick to it and trust God for it and be not weary in well-doing. Amen. Well said. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And uh, for, for our audience, if you have any questions, my name is Marshall Fant. You can email me at mfant at gfamissions.org. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to discuss, I'll be happy to get with someone like Jeremy, talk through the topic you would like discussed, and uh, please continue to listen. Jeremy, thanks so much. You're very welcome. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org consulting.